Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and receive and find grace to help in time of need. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the anointing upon your word and upon our ears to hear it accurately, upon our minds to be open, and upon our hearts to receive it. And I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the gospel of truth in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that our faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we've been teaching along these lines for quite a while, and we're going to continue to teach along these lines. I believe it's of utmost importance. I believe that if we cannot contact our Heavenly Father and receive help in our time of need, then we are not experiencing reality with God. That's just as plain and as simple as I can put it. If we are not receiving divine intervention in our time of need, if we are not receiving help when we're in trouble, if we're not receiving healing when we need it, if we're not receiving deliverance when we need it, if we're not receiving help in our marital relationship when we need it, if we're not receiving provision when we need it, then we are not experiencing reality with the living God because He is a delivering God. He is a healing God. He is a helping God. He is a providing God. He's a God that provides every good thing in Christ Jesus for us. He's a sun and shield. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly before Him. That's our loving Father. That is the God that we serve. And if we are not experiencing His help in our time of trouble and in our time of need, then we don't have reality with the living God because that is the living God. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So we've been devoting these particular sermons and messages to the subject of prayer, calling it receiving help in time of need. And we're talking about some very important phases of prayer. Very, very, very important phases of prayer. You have to understand these, beloved. Last Wednesday evening, we talked about four different phases to prayer. Liking them unto four different phases to faith. Four different phases to the law of sowing and reaping or seed time and harvest. We know that in seed time and harvest, we have a, plant, a preparing season. Time that we prepare the ground and the soil. We have a planting season. The time that we wait to put the seed into the ground. We have a growing season. A lot of things transpire in that growing season. But still, there's a season which is a time of growing. And then fourthly, there is a time of harvest or reaping. Now, we understand those principles very simply, don't we? We recognize them. We understand them. We follow them. And what do you get in the fall? Late summer, early fall. You get a harvest, don't you? Well, you believe it works? I know it works. Well, then we said faith works along the same lines. There's a time of preparing your heart to receive the seed of God's Word into your heart. Then once the seed is received into your heart, there's a time of growing. Where that seed is growing inside you with patience to do what? To produce fruit, which is the harvest or the, or the receiving, the having. And now when you come over to the area of prayer, see, faith makes prayer work. So we have to understand that it's along the same lines and principles. Faith makes prayer work. So prayer is going to work the same way. And we talked about four different phases to prayer. Number one, approach, our approaching. Number two, our asking. Number three, our believing. Every one of them are just as important. 
as the other ones are in seed time and harvest. Just as important. Believing is the third one. And finally, having. Ultimately, having. In other words, experiencing reality. Isn't that the purpose of prayer? Isn't it? To get a result? And if you're not getting a result, I don't know about you, but I'd be checking up on my prayer life, wouldn't you? Because I serve a living God, don't you? A God of reality. Okay. We've, at length, we've been discussing, and I'll tell you what, I can go on discussing this, I think, forever. We've been discussing approaching the Father's presence. And it seems as though we've spent a lot of time there, approaching, in our approach to God. Someone says, oh, big deal. Let's just talk about it for a minute, learn a little bit here, there, then go on. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're a farmer, you're going to prepare the soil properly, aren't you? You're going to take out the things that need to be taken out. You're going to put the things in that need to be put in before you put your seed into that ground, aren't you? Well, when you're going to pray, prayer is approaching your father. It is approaching him in his divine presence, in his holy throne room to secretly pray to your father. And I believe that our approach is vitally important. If we know how to approach him and we approach him properly, according to the guidelines of his word, I believe we will have an audience with him. I believe that. You don't just walk into the White House. Did you know that? Right into the president's office and say, I want to talk to you. You don't do that, do you? You better go through the proper channels. And then once you go through the proper channels, you'll have an audience. It's the same thing with the Father. We have to recognize that prayer is not praying to a God who's off in space somewhere who's just going to listen to you if he wants to. Prayer is approaching not only God, but if you're born again, your Father, your Heavenly Father, to talk to Him about your life. Prayer is visiting with Him. And the Bible does not say to come in as a beggar. It says come in boldly. But it tells you how also. And we've been talking about that by a new and living way. In, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Boldly, how? By a new and living way. Hebrews chapter 10. We come in boldly by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15 of the scriptures we've been talking about. We could talk about these for a long time. Whereof the Holy Ghost also was a witness to us, for after that he had said before. This is the covenant that I'll make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin, having, therefore, brethren, boldness. Therefore. Find out what that therefore is there for. It's there for the purpose of letting you and me know how to have boldness to enter in. Boldness only comes by the blood of Jesus. By knowing our sins are remitted has nothing to do with our lives and who we are. It has everything to do with Jesus. Seeing that we have a great high priest who's passed into the heavens come boldly. Not seeing that you've been a good person or can ever be a good person has nothing to do with you. I'm going to say that again. Our approach to the Father has nothing to do with you or me. No man can approach the Father except by Jesus. Isn't that good to know? 
That means there isn't anything you could do in this life that's good enough to let you get into His presence. And there isn't anything that you could have done to keep you out if you'll come by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Notice he's talking about boldly entering in by the blood of Jesus. In other words, this way is open for us. It's in verse 20, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us to the veil that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. And then he tells you how. Exactly how. With a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Beloved, this is the way. This is the way to enter into your Father's presence, to have an audience with Him, to have an executive board meeting with Him and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, to sit down and communicate intelligently with your Father. This is the new and living way to do it. Not through somebody else, but through His mediator, Jesus. By His holiness and faithfulness, by His precious holy blood, this is the way we enter in. And we as believers must accurately come, intelligently come. We must learn how to approach our Father's presence. He wants us to grow up even in the area of prayer. Amen. And learn what His Word says and follow His Word. Well, we said then that we don't have to come... And as some people have said, bombard the gates of heaven. Did you know that? You see, the blood of Jesus is the key. And the name of Jesus opens the door. Do you see that? Now, I just locked myself out of my office just the other day. Because I left my coat in there with my keys in my pocket and walked out and shut the door. Now, normally, when I walk into my office, it's, it's easy. I just walk right in there, open up the door. But you know, it's hard without the key. Did you know that? Can you see me beating on that door? There's a pastor getting ready for service. Can you imagine God on the inside? I'm saying, I'm just trying to get him to help me. If I could just get this door down, I'll get in there and talk with him. Try kicking it. I prayed all day and all night. Couldn't get in. Kicking on that door. Beating on it. Well, no, I just saw Brother Chuck and said, You have a key? <laughs> he said, Yeah, here. And just opened up just like that. Walked in. Didn't have to work up a sweat or get a butter knife or anything else. Do you see that? You know, we work so hard at prayer that we miss it. We miss it. We're not praying at God. We're talking to Him. We're not trying to bombard His gates. The door is open. All we have to do is enter in. But the way you enter in is by the blood. No flesh shall glory in His presence. See, the key opened up that door. Beloved, this is the key to having access to the Father's presence. It's the blood of Jesus. It's acknowledging what He has done. And it is doing justice, if we can envision this, when you sit down to pray, or kneel down to pray, or go in your prayer closet. Those beautiful words, Father, into Your presence I come. 
Not by the works that I've done. But by the blood of your Son, I boldly come into your presence. You know what? I know right now I have access to that presence. To make sure I'm welcome there. I make sure that I'm coming, number one, with a true heart. You see that right there in verse 22? Let us draw near with a true heart. Number one, you write these down. Number two, with full assurance of faith. See, there's never been a problem in Pentecostal circles having access to the presence because the presence of God is always manifest when we worship and praise, especially in the Spirit. But, beloved, do you know something? Once they get the presence, they don't know what to do with it. Come on now, you ever been there? I've got His presence. Now, what am I going to do with it? It's like having electricity and a bunch of electrical power and current right here. What are we going to do with it? Well, there was a lot of it up there until a man learned how to use it properly, channel it properly, right? Control it properly. Well, the same thing is true with the power of God. The power of God is always present in our lives. But that's not the end of it. Although it's present, we must learn how to control it, to channel it, and to use it properly. And when we get insight into doing that, then we become effective in prayer. Then we become successful in prayer. So it's not only getting into His presence, it's getting in there. And once we get in there, we have to also have understanding of the Word as to how we should be in His presence. You know, what our heart attitude should be, what our motive should be, etc., etc. And that's why He's saying here, number one, with a true heart. Number two, in full assurance of faith. Number three, having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and your bodies washed with pure water. And we spent the most part of the time talking about the true heart. And very quickly, I'll just reiterate a few points. A true heart is a sincere heart, an honest heart, a pure heart. A true heart in Psalm 131, we, we began to see, is not a haughty heart full of pride and arrogance. But a true heart is a heart that has truly been weaned from the emotions as a child is weaned from his mother. And there's so much truth. You could meditate that truth, beloved, for a week. That, that very truth. Christians in spirit must be weaned from their emotions just as a child must be weaned from his mother or from the bottle. Because our emotions tell us to do this. We get real emotional when the presence of God comes. And our emotions want to do this and our emotions want to do that. On the opposite, we get very upset at times because we're involved in certain things that we don't like or become impatient because some things are happening. Our emotions want to say, get angry. Our emotions want to say, get even or get revenge. They're telling us that. They're dictating that to us. But even though they're dictating that to us, our spirit man is listening to what the Word says and the Word says, don't sin in your anger. And the Word says, put anger far from you. Give no place to the devil. And so, although all your emotions want to strike out at that individual or that person or that corporation or whoever got you angry, they want to strike out, you are being weaned from those emotions. And if you think that's easy, try taking a bottle off a baby. Amen. Try weaning that child from his mother when he's hungry. It's not an easy thing to do. But, beloved, we can't stay on milk. We must grow up. And develop in love. And it's only as we study and 
practice love are our emotions. Are we going to be weaned from our emotions? Because love does not do what our emotions want to do. Amen. That's another whole subject and we can't get into that right now. But a true heart is one that is pure in motives. One that is not haughty, caught up in pride or arrogance. Because I'll tell you something, beloved. You will not gain an audience with the Father with pride and arrogance. The Bible says God resists the proud. But He gives grace to who? The humble. And what are you coming for? Why are you coming boldly to His presence? To obtain mercy and, and find what? Grace to help. He gives grace to who? To who? See, humbleness of mind is an attitude of our minds. And if we'll come that way, then He says we'll find grace. And that's what we're looking for. Grace to help in our time of need. Okay, well, in full assurance of faith. We're going to quickly go through, through these because we'll never get to where I want to get. Full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. John 15, 7 and 8. You don't have to turn to it, but we quoted the scripture to you before. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. Notice the condition. If you abide in me, that's fine. But my words abide in you. If the words not abide in you, you don't have full assurance of faith. And I gave you this illustration. When, my, when I tell my child, I'm going to give you something. Well then, if your child is like my child, I don't care if one week has transpired. One week has gone by. It doesn't matter. A week later, if I said next week I'm going to do this for you, let's say like next week is payday. You know that experience? Huh? Some of you parents out there know what I'm talking about? Well then, if I say, well, on payday, honey, I'm going to buy you this particular thing that you desire. I don't care... If the child's four years old, five years old, three years old, that child knows when payday is. That child remembers every word that you said in explicit detail. And you're just bopping along, cashing your check, paying the rest of your bills, buying your groceries and seeing to it that you have some money left over for the necessities of life and putting gas in your car, etc. And you think you've got it all figured out. Oh, figured out just just the way it's supposed to be. And you walk home and say, Honey, go over to God. We made it. Hallelujah. And look at this. Just a, a little bit left over. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad we made it? Paid all of our bills. And someone's pulling on your pant leg. You know what I mean? And says, Daddy, you said two beautiful words. You said that on payday, you'd buy me such and such. You reach your hand back in that pocket. and How much did you say you had left over? Mm. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to that child at that point? Did you say it? If you didn't mean it, you shouldn't have said it. Did you say it? You certainly did. Did that child remember? He certainly did. Wouldn't forget it for anything in the world. That's full assurance of faith. Daddy, you said. And I say, son, yes, I did. Now, here it is. Let's go do it. That's what prayer is. Prayer is going into your Father's presence with pure motives, with the right attitude of heart, humbleness of mind, knowing what He said. Full assurance of faith. Do you see why you can go in there and say, Father, you said, in other words, put me in remembrance, did your son not put you in remembrance? 
Now, how many of you parents are somewhat like me? Come on now, you forgot. You forgot a week ago that you said that until they reminded you. Then, yes, I did. Then you remembered, right? Well, no, God doesn't forget, but He instructs us to remind Him. Put me in remembrance now, saith the Lord. So prayer then is accurately, intelligently entering into your Father's presence with His Word. Because if you go in there and just stand there and don't know what He said, then you see, you have no basis for faith. How do you come with the full assurance of faith? So we need to put ourselves in our child's position. Recognize we're the child or we are the children. And we're going to our Father as our children are coming to us. Saying, Daddy, you said. And then remind your Daddy what he said. We go to our Father and say, Father, you said. You said. And then tell him what he said. Do you see that? That's full assurance of faith. We're going to get to that in the asking part. But that is the full assurance of faith. If you don't have what he said, then you're going to be there. You're going to have his presence but you're going to be tongue-tied. You're going to start praying your old religious things. Blah, 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 blah. And he's not going to listen to that. The Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. And if you don't know what his word said, then his word is not abiding in you. And ask what you will, but forget it. He's not honored, or he is not obligated to honor something that he hasn't said. Do you see that? So if he said it, you have a right to go in there and ask him for it. All right, thirdly, with your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. I really wish I could take time in every one of these, every one of these. Please meditate them for yourselves. If I do that, we'll never get as far as I want to get. Heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. In other words, he doesn't want us to have any consciousness of sin. People go in to pray, and we've all been there. And we're in his presence, we're, we're, we're at the throne room, and we want to pray. And it just seems like the devil brings up everything that we've ever done wrong in our life. Every experience that we've ever had in missing it. And they begin to just float through your mind, through your thought life. He shows you almost images and pictures of the mistakes that you've made in life or things that have happened. Any reason to keep you away from the presence of God, he'll use it, no matter what it is. Well... When you're there, when those thoughts come, you don't just sit back and let that condemnation come on you. The Bible says, come, how? Having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. And what that means is this. Father, if I've missed it in an area of my life, I confess my sin. And by the blood of Jesus, I ask for mercy. And I know now that you've, that you've cleansed me. And I don't have any consciousness of sin. Because I'm not coming on my own merit. How am I coming? On Jesus. And Jesus is my representative. Jesus is at your right hand. He's my high priest. I'm drawing near, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. You see the difference that makes? Heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. And once again, this is the water of the Word. A purified life, a life of sanctification. We don't want to go in there living in sin. Beloved, that's no way to approach God. You will not have an audience with God if you're living in sin. Forget it. Unless you're going there for repentance. 
Do you see that? So these are so important. Get a hold of them and keep meditating them over and over and over again. Be washed in the water of His Word. And I also believe we should. And I, I don't know about you. This, these are my convictions. I really believe this with all my heart. The more you realize who is in you on the inside, the more you realize your body is the temple of the living God who created the universe. And He's actually made His dwelling place in you if you're born again spirit-filled. You are His sanctuary. You are His mobile home. You are His portable tabernacle upon this earth. God of the universe dwells in you. On the outside, you're going to want to look good. On the outside, you're going to want to look good. On the outside, you're going to want to look good. See, this thing of holiness, people have said, you've, you've got to do this and you've got to do this. You can't wear makeup. You can't do this. You can't do this. Beloved, you can't teach holiness from the outward. Holiness is on the inward. And if you tell somebody how holy they are inside, it'll make them want to look good on the outside. And I mean that. They're going to want to dress up. They're going to want to look their best. Because when they begin to walk around, they're going to say, Hallelujah, you know who's in me? The God of the universe is in me. Let our light so shine among men. That's, and that's part of how we do it. Well, we could, we could really meddle on that part. Amen. But we won't do it. So, our hindrances to our approach then are namely this. Or these, I'll say. Sin consciousness. Number one. If you have a consciousness of sin and you feel unworthy to enter into His presence, or you feel as though that you're guilty before God or condemned before God, all those things, then you're not going to have uh, a time of, of fellowship with the Father because you're going to be bound by, by that sin consciousness. And I also said if you have sin consciousness, realize this. You're going to your Father's presence based on your own merit, and that's wrong. No flesh will glory in His presence. Forget about that. You can't have access to His presence by what you've done or what you haven't done. That settles the issue. Another thing is irreverence keeps us from the presence of God. Irreverence. In Pentecostal circles where we have our eyes wide open, you know, we, we're called wide-eyed, our wide-opened, wide-eyed open Pentecostals. Wide-eyed. Our eyes are wide open. We know who we are. We know we have the, the, the presence of the living God inside of us. Then we should have reverence around His presence. We should, be, we should reverence the presence of God in our lives. And that's individually and that's corporately, both ways. And the more we reverence His presence in our lives individually, then I believe the more we're going to reverence His presence when we gather together. Even more so. It's an individual walk. But also we join ourselves together as a corporate body. Individually, we must recognize, beloved, that God is living in us. So, approach His presence with reverence. If you don't have that, you don't have any fear of God. We have to have fear of God. Another thing is with a wrong attitude. A wrong attitude. A wrong attitude. Approaching His presence with a wrong attitude. Pride, arrogance. It's no good. Well, I did this and now you should do this for me. No, that's not it. If anybody should be helped, it should be me. I did this and I gave to the poor and I did that. I've heard Christians talk like that. If anybody should have been healed, it should have been Sister So-and-so. Look, at, look what she's done. She's even said it. Yeah, I know. I'm fasting and praying, and you better do something about it. Move, Lord. I want you to move on my behalf. People spend more time fasting and praying, wasted time in fasting and praying, I believe, than they do in, in fasting and praying properly. A lot of wasted time. People have announced, we're on a 30-day fast. Everybody going to join in? Yeah, I will, and everybody sees who's joining in. You might as well forget about it. You're fasting and praying for nothing unless you want to lose weight. If that's your purpose, is to lose weight, then go ahead and do it. But to get God to move, you might as well forget about it. God don't move because you fast. That's not what we... Well, but we thought that religiously. We thought that. He doesn't move because you fast. 
No, the Bible says if you fast for a wrong motive and for a wrong reason, then you have a reward of men. But if you do it properly, according to the Word of God, in secret, then your Father which seeth in secret shall then reward you openly. So we're not to announce or declare when we're going to have our fast. Wrong attitudes, wrong motives also can keep us from the presence of God. Wrong motive. People have a, if you have a wrong motive, you're not going to have an audience with the Father. We have to have a right motive and intent and attitude in our heart. Now, let's just write these quickly down. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, Jesus is our only mediator between us and God. Jesus is the way in. 1 Timothy 2, 5. There's one mediator between God and man. That is the man, Jesus. The only way we have access to His presence is Jesus. That's the only way. He bridges the gap between God and sinful man. He's the one who is our high priest who represents us to the Father. And the only way you can get into His presence to have your prayer answered, to have an audience with Him, to have your prayer answered, is by Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Not what you've done, not what I've done. No way can we enter into His presence based on our own merit. Let's, let's realize that and get that into our spirit. He is our Lord. That's why I can go in. wasn't for Jesus, we couldn't go in. What did Hebrews chapter 10 over here say? Because we have a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. What gives us access to His presence? Jesus. He is the one who gives us access to the Father's presence. Let us draw near to God. How? Through Jesus. Well, let's look at this particular scripture. Write these down real quick. And we'll go to the next step. 1 Corinthians chapter 30. Or chapter 1 and verse 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. Jesus is our only way into the Father's presence. I'd rather go by the way of Jesus. That way we have a key to get in. And that way, beloved, we won't be beating on God's door. We won't be pounding on His door trying to get in or to force our way in. Did you ever something think about this bombarding the gates of heaven? Did you ever something think about this? Do you really think that your bombarding could get you in? You think God's not strong enough to hold you out if He don't want you in? Look, beloved, either He opens up the door or He doesn't. Our bombarding's not going to get us in. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. If God didn't want us to have the door, He's the doorway. If He didn't want us to have that way in, He wouldn't have sent Jesus. So since Jesus is the door, since Jesus is the way, He is the truth, He is the life, we have access to the Father by Him and by Him alone. God would have sent Jesus. So we never again have to bombard heaven with prayer. You want to bombard anything, drop some bombs on the devil's kingdom. The gates of hell won't prevail against you. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, Jesus, here in verse 30, 29 and 30, Notice, no flesh shall glory in His presence. So once again, this takes prayer off of us and what we've done. We enter in His presence, not because of our flesh, but because of who Jesus is and what He has done. Now, let's notice what He has done. But of Him... That's of God the Father. Are you in Christ Jesus? See, we're in Christ. Who of God is made unto us wisdom 
righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. It's not reaching a degree of sanctification or purification or holiness or that sort of thing. God made Jesus to be unto us wisdom. He is our comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. He's made Jesus to be unto us righteousness. He is my ability to stand in my Father's presence as though sin had never been. Do you see that now? Who is our ability? Jesus is my ability to sit before my Father's presence and ask Him anything that I want. He's been made that to me. He's been made my righteousness. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. God made Him to be right our righteousness. Don't you love it? God did it all. He also is our sanctification. Someone says, oh, one of these days I want to get sanctified. Forget it. You can never get sanctified in the flesh. Your flesh will want to do wrong as long as you're in it. It'll want to rebel against you as long as you're in it. You're living in a body that's not been redeemed yet. You're living in a body that doesn't want to serve God. You're living in a body that, is, that has not been immortalized yet, glorified yet, made incorruptible. And the body will never want to respond to the things of God. So what do we do? Jesus is our sanctification. He's my separation from the lust of the eyes and flesh and pride of life. I look at Jesus and I say, I'm in Him and in Him I'm sanctified. And I let that become a reality in, our, in my life and we should all in all of our lives by declaring that and by saying that and using our tongue to speak to our body and say, Body, I deny you the right to do the things you want to do that's wrong. You know, you can deny your body the right of being sick. I've told my body sometimes, I ain't going to let you. It wanted to lay down. I said, no. Come on, let's play sick for a while. No. Oh, uh, just a day or two. No. No time off for you. I'm a spirit. You're not a body, are you? All right. That's what it's saying. See, this is growing up. This is learning about the things of God. Your body will want to rule you. Say no to it. Hallelujah. No. Well, I could really get something here. Mm. Anybody notice my wife lost about many, many pounds? Oh, yeah, you know. Well, you say, you know, she's tried for a long time. Seems after she had the little ones, you know, she gained weight and that sort of thing, and she just couldn't get it to come off. But she, one day she set her mind, she set her heart to doing it. And she started talking. She started talking. The tongue is a little member. But I'll tell you what, it controls the whole body. It controls the whole body. And when she made up her mind and said, I'm going to lose this weight. I want to know that she did. She set her heart to do it. She meant business with her body. And that's the way we have to be with our body. You know, we have to talk to it. We have to tell it what it's going to do, what it's not going to do. If we allow it, it'll run wild. It'll follow the course of the fallen nature, which is set on fire of hell. It'll become a destructive thing in our lives. It's fighting against our spirit. But when you start using your, your spirit and the Word of God and begin to speak to your body, 
See, then your body's going to line up. And that's the way to maintain it. You can use all kind of whatever diets and that sort of thing, but beloved, that's the way to maintain it. You're going to maintain your body weight afterwards with your tongue. By holding fast to that decision, I decide not to become overweight. I decide not to. Or if I am, I decide to lose this weight. I make a decision. I'm speaking it out. I'm taking authority. Well, amen. We, and then He is our redemption. And a beautiful thing here, He is our deliverance from every power of darkness. Total deliverance. And we have to go to the Father knowing that. Because that's going to help us in our asking. Now, what I want us to do is to turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, 15. I'm sorry that we can't spend a whole lot of time, but I would love to spend a whole lot of time on those four things alone. Let's, but we've got to go on. Let's look at the second part. That was the first part. I believe that by now we know how to approach the Father. Am I correct in saying that? How do you approach the Father? Boldly by the blood of Jesus, with a true heart, with full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and a body washed with pure water. That's how we have access where? Into His divine presence. But once you get there, if you don't know phase two, you're going to be like a little seed in a bag, hollering out, plant me, plant me, plant me. But you see, if you don't know what to do with that seed, if you don't put it in that ground, it's not going to produce any fruit. So phase two, we have the Father's presence. Phase two is once we get there, once we have His presence, what are we going to do? That's the asking part, which is the sowing part, planting part. Do you see that? So this is asking. We call it asking. Notice here in verse 14, and this is the confidence or the boldness that we have in Him. Now remember, we're coming boldly, but now we're going to use our boldness. Do you see that? Now we've come. We've come boldly by the blood, not by our own works. But now we're going to use our boldness. This is the boldness. My son boldly spoke up and said, do you think he cared if we had any bills that month? You try to rationalize that out with a child when you told him you're going to buy him something. I've tried that once. I said, honey, we're going to pay some bills. He said, go to the bank. <laughs> Try to rationalize that with a child, with a young one. Well, honey, we've got to do this. Go to the bank. They'll give you some money. That's what he said. What do they care about what you have to do with money? Did you say it to your child? And boldly he asks you to keep your word. That's what he's actually doing, isn't he? All right, so this is the boldest that we have in Him. What? That if we ask anything according to His will. Now, please don't miss this. The asking part. Once you have arrived in His presence, you must know His will. This is the boldness that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He, He what? Now, wait a minute. Do you realize that if your Father doesn't hear you, like I said last Wednesday, my Father is in Youngstown, Ohio. I can't say, Dad, I need you to come fix my window. He wouldn't hear me. He wouldn't come. He wouldn't do anything. See, I have to know that my father hears me. So what do I do? I get on the phone. 
And I'd start dialing the right numbers. And that's practically what we're doing right here. We're dialing the right numbers. We want to approach our Father's presence. We want to have an audience with Him. You leave out one of those numbers, are you going to get your dad? No. All right. So that's in our approach. But He has to hear. He has to hear what our petition is. And the only confidence I have, the only boldness I have is knowing His will. Because when I know what His will is, then I know He hears me. Why? Because it said right there, if we ask anything according to His what? What does He do? So if I don't ask according to His will, I don't really, I cannot say I'm guaranteed that He hears me. Do you see that? How do I know He heard me? If I didn't, my son asked me exactly what I told him I was going to get him. That's what he asked me for. He said, you said. I mean to tell you, he had me. Alive to rights. Amen. Amen. He had me. He said, you said. Well, if I said it, what is he saying? It must have been my will. So since I said it, it was my revealed will to him. He came and reminded me of what I said. And I said, son, you're right. I did say that. I made it good. Do you see that? So here's what we're doing. We're going to our Father's presence. We have His attention. We have an audience with Him now. And if we're caught there without knowing His will, we're fumbling for words. We might make up some religious thing like, Oh, God. I know I'm so unworthy to be here. Oh, dear. Why did religion ever get started anyhow? I don't know. It came from the pit of hell. I know that. It didn't come from God. God's not religious. Mm -mm. He's a reality. Do you see that? No. We go there knowing His will. And if you don't know His will, you better go back and get full of the Word because the Word is His will. So we find out what He said first. My son came with my word. And I want you to know, when he spoke those words to me, it hit me in the face. You know what I mean by that? I went, yeah, you're right, I said that. You got me. You've got me. Let's go. And I do it. That's exactly what you're doing. Father, you said, you said, I'll supply all your need according to under my riches and glory, but Christ Jesus, that's what you said. Don't go to your father without knowing what he said. Because in Numbers, it tells us, God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. If he didn't say it, we have no right. Do you see that? So we go there and say, Father, you said... I know your will. So many people come to the altar time and time again. What do you need? Healing? Will you receive your healing when I pray for you? Well, if it be God's will, you might as well forget it. You might as well forget it. I wouldn't pray with you. I would never pray with a person like that. Why? The Scripture said, This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, not if it be His will, you will not find that in any prayer scripture. 
if we ask anything according to His will. So, we must determine His will before we ask. So, now you come to the altar for prayer and we say, What is your desire? I need healing. Is that what you need? Is that what you want? Yes. Will you receive your healing when we pray? Yes, I will. Because God said, and I've read the book, and I know it's His will. I know it's His will. So, when you pray, I will receive. See, that's faith, beloved. And if we don't go there by faith and we don't have any basis to ask Him anything. Now, notice, knowing His will guarantees that He, what? The only guarantee then that we have that the Father hears us is by knowing His will. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have the petition we desire of Him. Now, look at how important it is to know that He hears us. If I don't know that He hears me, I don't know I have my petition. See, that's going to stop this process, these four phases. If I don't know that He heard me, I don't know that I have. So in order for me to know that He heard me, for prayers to be heard and answered, prayers must be based upon the will of God or the Word of God, which is His will. Well, let's look at another thing here. Quickly, John's Gospel, chapter 16. John chapter 16 and verse 23 and 24. For our prayers to be heard and answered, we must know the will of God. If I don't know the will of God, I have no guarantee that my prayer will be heard or answered. But when I know the will of God, I have that guarantee. Number two, or part B, whatever you want to say. John 16, 23. In, in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Truly, truly, verily, verily, absolutely, positively, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name. So, in order for our prayers to reach the throne, we must ask the Father in Jesus' name. These are basic, simple truths, but, beloved, we won't, we won't get in there without them. You don't ask Jesus, and we've said that repeatedly. You have to ask the Father in Jesus' name. And when you ask the Father in Jesus' name, it guarantees us that our prayer reaches the throne. And when you're asking, you must know the will, because if you don't know His will, he, you have no guarantee that He hears you or that He'll answer it. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Whatsoever you ask, or ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Notice, it's asking the Father in Jesus' name. And whatever we ask, as long as it's in His will, we know that He hears us. Very quickly, we're running out of time again. James chapter 4. If you want to write these down, maybe we'll expound more on these. But James chapter 4. We're talking about asking. In asking, we must know His will to guarantee that it's heard and answered. In asking, we must ask in the name of Jesus to make sure our prayer reaches the throne. And we're asking the Father in the name of Jesus. That's two. Number three, we must ask properly. Look at James chapter 4, verse 2. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war. You have not because you ask not. 
You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Notice you ask and receive not. That's why I said if I'm not receiving, I want to check my life. He tells us why we don't receive when we ask. If we ask and receive not, then it could be. I'm not saying that this is the only problem. But it could be that we've asked amiss, which means with the wrong motive or with the wrong intent of heart, with the wrong attitude. We can ask for the wrong reason to consume it upon our lust. In other words, we're asking Him in a, just, just for our own benefit. We're not concerned about walking in love and, and, and doing it in love. We, we have to be concerned about love. If we want to receive from the Father, it must be worked by love. Faith works by love. We have to be asking in love. Not to consume it upon our own our lust. Not for selfish reasons. But whatever we're asking, sure, it's going to benefit us. But we have to ask in love. Another improper way of asking, let me say it like this. Maybe this is another side of this. Don't ask the Father to do something that He's asked you to do. I've heard people pray and say, Oh, Father, do something about this devil. I've heard them say that, and they're legitimate. I've heard, Now, Father, cast that devil out of so-and-so. Keep that devil off my husband. Keep that devil off my wife. Keep the devil off... Don't ask the, don't ask the Father to do anything about the devil. Prayers are not answered because people are asking God to do something He's told them to do. Do you see that? Don't ask Him to do something about the devil. Jesus said, In my name, you cast out devils. In other words, you keep the devil off your husband. You keep the devil off your wife. You keep the devil off your children. That's not praying. See, that's another area. We're not talking about prayer in that respect. Praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. That is demanding. There's a difference. I demand the devil to take his hands off my children. I demand you to take your hands off of my family or whatever. That's not praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's using the name of Jesus and your authority to overcome the devil, which is exactly what you know, Jesus said we're supposed to do. That's another reason why people don't get a prayer answered. They're asking the Father to do something that He told us to do. So that's wrong. So you can ask improperly. You can ask with the wrong motive. You can ask you know, with the wrong intent and attitude of heart. Another thing is, well, actually, He said it right here. Is not asking. There's a lot of people that pray, but they don't ask God to do anything. He says, you, you, you want, you desire to have, but you ask not. And people walk around and say, well, God knows my need. I've asked for help. Well, God didn't say that. He wants you to come according to His Word and ask Him for what you need. We can't assume just because we're His child. I can't assume that my Father knows my every need, although my Heavenly Father does. But I can't assume that my earthly Father knows my need. I have to call, get a hold of Him, tell Him what my need is. And although our Heavenly Father knows our need, He still has instructed us in His Word. You say, why? Because He said so. We don't have to understand everything. He said, you ask. I, your Father knows you have need of all these things, yet He said what? Ask. We just have to follow the rules. We have to follow the instruction book. We have to do what he said do. Okay? Well, let's go over back to John chapter 16 again and let's see something here. And I guess we're going to have to close it right here real quick. John 16. When it comes to asking, there are many hindrances. Number one, not knowing his will. If you don't know what his will is, don't enter into prayer. Go to the Word. 
Find out what His will is. That's a hindrance to prayer. Find out what the will is. Number two, don't pray to Jesus. Prayer is asking your Father in the name of Jesus. Ask your Father. Number three, ask properly. A hindrance is not asking properly. Asking Him to do something that He's not going to do because He told you to do it. Or asking Him properly means asking with the wrong motive or attitude or intent of heart. That's wrong. Another thing is in asking if we know He heard us. Some people, when they pray, they never know God heard them. Well, why? Well, I know that if my dad heard me say, I really need your help, dad. I know I have my petition. Do you see that? Some people never know that the father heard them. They go on and they ask him every single day for the same thing. They say over and over and over and over. And it's like, didn't he hear you? If I did that to my earthly father, he'd scream at me. If I called him every day and said, I need this window fixed. Every day. He wouldn't like it. If he says, look, I'll do it. The first time, that settles it. I know he'll do it. And we have to know that with our Heavenly Father. It may not be immediate, although it may. But you have to get to a place of knowing he heard you, beloved, because if you don't know he heard you, you'll never know that you have your petition. So in asking, we have to know His will. We have to ask the Father in the name of Jesus. We have to be motivated by love. We have to know that He heard us. And in John 16 and verse 27, let me me state another thing here. In James, just write this down. In James chapter 1, He also said to ask in faith. You remember he said in James 1 that if you ask wavering, let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. You have to ask in faith. You have to ask in faith. That's another hindrance to prayer. People don't ask in faith. So make note of that. Now, how about a help? Forget the hindrances. How about a help? What's going to help me know that my father is really listening to what I'm saying? John 16, 27. Now, Jesus, in stating this beautiful scripture, was talking about prayer. This is the reason why your Father hears your prayer. This is the main reason why. I don't care who you are. It's not because you've been so good this week. It's not because you've gone to church all week. It's not because you've read your Bible all week. This is why. For the Father Himself loveth you. In the Amplified it says, For the Father tenderly loves you. Back it up to verse 26. At that day ye shall ask, me, ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. What did he say in verses 23 and 24? The Father will give you anything you ask. Anything you ask, He will give. And then he goes on to say that when you ask, the reason why He will give you anything you ask, because in verse 27, the Father tenderly loves you. He loves you and, number two, he, because you believe that He came out from God. The Father loves you. You love Jesus and have believed that He came out from God. How many of you here love Jesus? 
But see, too many have, because they love Jesus, they've directed their prayer to Jesus. See, we're not taken away from Jesus in teaching like this. Brothers and sisters, we're directing our prayers properly to the Father in the name of Jesus. And He's saying to us that the Father loves us so tenderly that He'll answer our prayer on the basis of, number one, we love Jesus. Now, that's pretty good. Not because you've been doing good all week. And number two, you believe Jesus came out from God. You love Jesus and you believe Jesus came out from God. Consequently, your Father will answer your prayer. If you love Jesus, say Amen. amen. If you believe that Jesus came out from God, say Amen. amen. Well, then your Father loves you. Your Father cares about you. He tenderly loves you. And you have Jesus' word that because He loves you, if you ask anything, according to His will, in the name of Jesus, in faith, knowing that He heard you, then what will happen? You'll receive. You'll receive. But now notice it's got to be in faith based on His word. It's got to be according to His will. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.